of the goodness of God and how we can come to Him just as we are without one plea. Well, you might be wondering what all of these boxes are up here. And inside these are all the stockings that you gave towards and some purchased and you helped pack last Sunday night. We're sending over to our missionaries, the Colsons over in Chuuk, Micronesia. You might have to get out, a, out an atlas and find where that is. It's way on the other side of the world, a teeny tiny island in the middle of nowhere. I heard, got an email from Jody Colson, our missionary, this week, and he shared in there of a man who had been listening to their radio station for quite a long time now from a different island. There's a whole bunch of little islands scattered around there. And uh, he had made a trip to the main island where they were located. And he had said, if I make a trip, I want to visit the people who are putting on this radio program. And he came and listened and he heard the gospel and he trusted Christ as his Savior this week. And he went back home to his island uh, ready to continue listening and growing. And You know, it's amazing what God has given us to be able to come and worship Him together as a church. There are people today like that man out on a little island, remote, not other people around, but God still got the gospel all the way to Him through a radio station. And our giving helps to support that kind of work. And your giving is what's sending these boxes over to those missionaries, and they'll be distributing that to the children in their two different churches that they have there on the main island. And so we're really excited to be a part of that this year and helping them with that. So I thought to do something special this morning, we would have a word of prayer asking God to take these gifts and use them to encourage these boys and girls and that God would use this to take the gospel into more homes. And uh, so I thought it would be special too if we had our boys and girls come and help me with this prayer. So boys and girls, why don't you come? And then after this, we'll send you to Junior Church with Mr. James. But we can come and let's, let's pray for all of the boys and girls that are going to get these gifts. And uh, we can pray for them that God will take these just little gifts that we're sending, but use them to be an encouragement to these boys and girls. And as they go, that they'll hear the good news that Jesus saves. And that's what Christmas is all about. So I am way outnumbered up here this morning. That's good. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for giving to us Jesus Christ. Lord, that we even have a reason to do any of this is all because of what Jesus did for us. Lord, the reason that we can even have anything to give is because you have given to us. So, Lord, all we're doing is giving back to you what you've already given to us. But thank you for letting us take part in the blessing of giving. You said in your word, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And as we send these gifts on their way, I pray that they would travel safely through the mail and would arrive in time for these boys and girls to be able to enjoy them. I thank you for the boys and girls in our church, some of them who helped to put together these gifts. And I pray that they would be uh, thinking and praying for these children and for their families that many more people would hear about the good news of Jesus Christ because of this little gift that they received. Thank you for the Colsons and for their faithfulness there. I pray that you'd encourage them and continue to provide for their needs. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, boys and girls, I'm going to send you right out through those doors with Mr. James and uh, time for Junior Church. Thank you, church, for your blessing.
to so many people through these gifts, uh, for your blessing to our missionaries, the Martins, a couple of weeks ago as we were able to give them a very generous love offering from you. Uh, yesterday, we were able to feed 300 people down at New Life as we're helping to get that new church started. And yesterday after we finished, Pastor David said, can we borrow some of these chairs that you brought over? Because we might have a really big crowd tomorrow. We want to be prepared to have somewhere for them to sit. And he shared with me that even this past week, God provided some more funds for them. So they're able to purchase 40 more chairs. So they're excited about that. God has continued to provide. God just continues to work. And sometimes when you see things in small places, you cer cer certain things seem bigger. And then other things seem very insignificant. I was thinking about it last night as we came back over here and, and dishes were being washed and things were getting put away and just thinking of all the people serving and working and taking part in this wonderful ministry. And I was, I was standing over here straightening up some things and I thought, you know, there's more chairs in this one section than there are in that entire uh, congregation, but they're about to get double the chairs. So they're going to have enough to maybe make the two outside sections or so. And it's just wonderful to think how God has taken us through all of those stages and God is now taking them through those stages and God continues to bless and to grow His church. Because Jesus said it very well that He would build His church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And I'm thankful for what God is doing for souls that are saved, for people that are plugging in and serving and giving and doing His work. And God is using our little to do so much. You know, we look at ourselves, you might look at your bank account, you might look at your time, your energy, your talent, and you say, I don't have very much to give. But God just wants you to give all. And if you'll give Him your all, He'll take what little that is. And he'll use it in such amazing ways to do his work around the world. I'm excited. We've been putting together some plans ourselves for some new outreach things we're going to be doing to children in apartments and, and ministry there. Miss Sylvia's been working on that with James and Billy. So we've got that coming up. Next month, our boys and girls are working really hard on a special Christmas program. And uh, we're, we've decided this year, because it just keeps growing every year, we're going to do it not on one night. We're going to do it on two nights. So on Saturday and Sunday night, December 11th and 12th. And so we're getting some little tickets printed up. They're going to be free tickets, but we're going to give them up out and, and give tickets for one night or for the other night so that we can have room for everybody and we're not sitting on top of each other and uh, all of that good stuff. And we're just thankful for how God is blessing. I hope that you're excited for next Sunday evening as we gather over at Brad and Lisa News House. They're probably watching right now online. They live just three or four blocks north of here on Layman Street, and they've invited the whole church over for our annual uh, praise and thanksgiving service. And we've done this each year uh, since we started, so this will be, I believe, our fourth time to do it. And because we're three and a half years old, we're in our fourth year, and uh, every year it gets better. It, so come with some praises for the Lord. Come ready to give thanks to God for all that He's done. And weather permitting, we'll enjoy it in a beautiful outdoor setting. They've got beautiful trees. We were over there this week looking at everything. They even had made specially just so that we can use it and for themselves later on. But they have a special bathroom they made outdoors. They showed it to me. It's got plumbing. I said, this is the nicest outhouse I've ever been in my whole life. It even has electricity. It even has a little fan in there to, to 
to do probably two things, to cool you down and to move, move things around in there. And, and uh, they've got it all decorated up nice. They've got two or three acres there. They've got some beautiful little goldfish ponds. And it, it's like she's a photographer. So being in her backyard is like living in a photography studio. And uh, so you'll love it. You'll enjoy it. And I hope that you'll plan. Now, if something happens and it just looks like it's going to be a horrible rain out, we're going to move it here. So we're still going to do it either way. But if we have to, it'll be inside. I know, not as nice. But weather permitting, it'll be outside. If you want to, bring a lawn chair. We're going to bring some of our chairs, you know, plastic folding chairs from the church. But you might have one of those big, comfy lawn chairs or folding camp chairs that you want to bring. Feel free to bring those with you. We'll have some tables and things set up out there. And I even heard from Freddie that Teresa, his mom, Teresa Ortiz, she's making tamales as well. So Brother Joe's already there. His hip is healed, and he's coming just for the tamales. So it'll be good. We'll enjoy that. And uh, so, But we're going to have, I hope you bring some pie and some desserts and, and, and get ready for a great time together as we praise the Lord. I'm thankful for that. And, and can I say this too? I know I have several things I want to say before I get to the message. Thank you so much for your blessing to the Morris family, to Michael's family this week as in the passing of his mother. And we had her homegoing service on Friday here at the church. And thank you for your service and your blessing to them. Uh, Michael gave me a, a letter that I'd like to just read to you of thanks to the church. He said, Dear Pastor and all my church family, Leslie and I would like to extend a sincere thank you for all that was done after the death of my mom. I cannot count the amount of phone calls, prayers, messages, and support that has poured in over this last week. My family and friends also send a large thank you on their behalf. My mom would have been very proud of our church and the way they have supported each other. Her funeral, the music, the flowers, the graveside service were perfect. Thank you, Lord, for a church home, a church family, and for the man of God. Brethren, I have cherished all the kindness and compassion every one of you have shown. You all have helped mend broken hearts along the way. Thank you from the depth of my soul. My, may God bless you all in Arise Baptist Church for many years to come. Brother Michael Morrison family. So uh, continue to, we'll continue to love on them and let them know how much we care about them and, and how much the Lord is, is good and able to help them through. And I would encourage you as well to be praying for Julie Clausen and her family. Gail's service will be held here this coming Saturday at 2 o'clock. And so be praying for her and for her children, grandchildren, and all of that family as well. I'm thankful, though, as a Christian, that we don't sorrow without hope. Our hope is in the Lord, who made heaven and earth, and our hope is in Jesus, who even though He died, three days later, He rose again. And we celebrate that here every Sunday. That's why we have church on Sunday, is because we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we are thankful for that, but continue to encourage because these are difficult times as folks go through that. Well, our theme this year has been to walk worthy. Colossians chapter 1 says that we are to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we have been called that God has called us to His service, that God has called us to be His children, as part of His family, and we ought to behave accordingly, right? If you're part of God's family, it should change the way that you live. So many people say, well, I'm part of God's family, and yet they live no different than if they were 
part of the devil's family. And being part of God's family is wonderful. It is a blessing, and there's so much to praise Him for. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12, the Bible says, "...giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light." Part of walking worthy is learning to give thanks, and we have so much to give thanks for. At this time of year, as we look forward to Thanksgiving in a couple of weeks, there's a lot going on. People are saying, well, should we gather? Should we have our meals? Well, if we do, who's going to cook the turkey? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Well, I hope they don't burn the turkey again because Domino's Pizza, just it's good, but it's not the same as turkey on Thanksgiving. You know, people have all kinds of concerns. And yet in doing that, the Bible tells us we aren't just to give thanks when it's Thanksgiving time. We are to give thanks all the time, right? So this morning, I want you to turn with me in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this is probably very familiar verses to many of you, but these are verses that I cherish. I memorized these, if my memory is correct, I memorized these in kindergarten. So I was five years old, and uh, these are short verses. Even a five-year-old could memorize them, so I think even a 50-year-old or a 75-year-old, probably even if you're 100 years old, and I don't think any of you are, you may feel like it this morning, but you could memorize these verses as well. If you would, let's read them together out loud. Verses 16 through 18 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It begins by saying this, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Join me on the third verse. Here we go. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I think we need to read those again because we didn't read it in the right tone of voice, because these are voices, verses of praise and rejoicing to the Lord. So let's try again with your best voice of praise to the Lord. All right, here we go. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Amen. Give thanks, he says, in every situation. Give thanks in every situation. I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, that when we come to worship God, we worship God out of our experience. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, why did you come to church this morning? Why do you get up every week and come to the same place? And for many of you, sit in the same chair next to the same people and listen to the same preacher and go to the same Sunday school class every Sunday without fail. Why? Because you worship, your worship is born out of your experience. The Bible talks about this when it says tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Your worship is born out of your 
experience. The only way to worship, to truly worship, is to worship out of what you have been through. You can tell somebody else's testimony, but it's not your testimony. You can even preach somebody else's sermon, but it's not your sermon. You can see somebody carrying on on Sunday morning, all excited at church, but if it isn't born out of their experience, it is fake and phony and untrue. When God brought you out of bondage, when He saved you, when Jesus Christ died for your sin, when you put your trust in Him, God should become very real to you. And it's not just routine or showing up. Some people think, well, I've done my duty for the Lord because I showed up at church on Sunday morning. Now that you know why you should worship, we can get excited about how we are to worship. And that's what Paul is speaking about here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He tells us, rejoice evermore. Always be excited and rejoicing, enthusiastic as to the work of God. Then he says, praying continuously. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Maybe not for everything, give thanks, but in. in the storm. In this group of three exhortations, Paul gives the habits that characterize the believer's relationship with God. I find it very interesting that it was here in the book of 1 Thessalonians in his letter to the church at Thessalonica that Paul made these statements. You see, the church at Thessalonica was no stranger to adversity. If you look in your Bible back in the book of Acts, chapter 17, we read the story of when Paul and some of his followers came to Thessalonica to minister. And when they got there, the Bible says that they spent three weeks ministering in the synagogue, preaching and teaching. And some Jews and many Gentiles trusted in the Lord. But as some came to Christ, they began to gather in homes. They were no longer welcome in the synagogue. And they began to gather in the home of one believer by the name of Jason. And the Bible tells us as they met in Jason's house that some of the other people from the town came and began to accuse them of treason. And so Paul and his followers were very quickly not welcome in Thessalonica. And Jason himself went through some persecution because of this. In fact, Paul references this back in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians. Look with me, if you will, at chapter 1 and verse 6. Paul says this, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word, here it is, in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. You see, the church at Thessalonica understood what it meant to face persecution for their faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, one of the reasons that Paul wrote the letter of 1 Thessalonians was to encourage these new believers in their faith. 
If you go over to chapter 3, the Bible tells us that Paul sent Timotheus, I'm in verse 2 of chapter 3, he said, Our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you, here it is, and to comfort you concerning your faith. When I talk to Christians, when I talk to people day to day, when I get phone calls, when people come by my office, when we're out and about in people's homes, and God's given us a lot of opportunity to visit with so many different people, some who aren't able to be with us here this morning. But when I talk to other believers, one thing I'm noticing is there are some believers who are discouraged. They're afraid. They're unsure of what is coming or what is already here. And I'm thankful for this letter of 1 Thessalonians that was written to encourage believers and to comfort them in their faith. I want to encourage you and comfort you in your faith this morning. That your faith is in the Almighty God who never changes from yesterday, today, and forever. He's always the same. That you can trust in Him and take great confidence in Him. In fact, look at verse 3 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. He says that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. Paul's reminding them there is persecution, there is affliction, there is difficulty in walking with the Lord. But he said, I don't want you to be moved by your affliction. You know what I'm talking about. If you're driving down the road and, and you get hit by somebody else, your car gets moved because of that impact. If you're at work and somebody comes up and begins to say something that you disagree with, often it frustrates you and you find yourself being moved, right? And Paul is writing to these people and he's saying, I don't want you to be moved by this affliction. I don't want it to cause consternation and frustration. Rather, I want you to keep your eyes on the Lord and focus on Him. He's giving them this exhortation here at the end of the book, of the verses that we just read, to continue in their faithful walk with the Lord, to rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing in everything. Did you catch that? Everything give thanks. So verse 16 here leads us into praise. Rejoice evermore. Now, can I help you with this? Because sometimes you hear this type of thing preached or you read a verse like this and you say, well, that's a great aspirational thing, but that's not really possible. How can you rejoice evermore? Well, the Apostle Paul never encouraged believers to deny that adversity brings sadness and grief. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 says it this way, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with those who weep. So how do we reconcile these two ideas to rejoice evermore and yet we are to weep with those who weep? You see, in the midst of the most agonizing situations, the presence of God can infuse the heart and soul with joy. Not always happiness, 
but joy. Say, what's the difference? Well, happiness is contingent upon what is happening. I'm happy because things are happening that I like. I'm not happy when things are happening that I don't like. You may not be happy when you're physically hurt, but you can still have joy. You may not be happy when your life situation is hard, but you can still have joy. You may not be happy when you lose your job, but you can still have joy. You may not be happy when things take place in our political process that you don't like, but you can still have joy because joy is not dependent on your circumstances because your joy this morning as a Christian is only found in the Lord. And if you're trying to find your joy in anything else, you won't be able to. Joy is in spite of what's happening. You may notice that some people are, are always smiling and jumping around. They're just happy all the time. And you say, well, they're just weird. I don't have a personality like that. But just because you don't have that personality, don't look at someone who doesn't have that happy spirit all the time and say, well, they're just coarse and cold. We're not always happy, but we can always be full of joy. Happiness comes and goes, but joy will show itself in your facial expression. It'll show itself in your handshake. You can still come to church. You can still hold your hands up. You can still give your best hallelujah. If God has been good to you, then joy springs up in your life. You see, Paul wasn't telling the believers here to display the dispassionate indifference of the Stoics. That was a common philosophy in this time as Paul's writing to this church. He wasn't telling them, just be indifferent. This too shall pass. He wasn't telling them to hold to the sterile academic approach to life of the skeptics. Always seeing everything negative. Skeptical about everything. Not believing anything. And he also was not telling them to follow the eat, drink, and marry philosophy of the Epicureans. Sort of, well, just go have a party all the time. Boy, we live in a world with all those same kinds of people today, don't we? Got the Stoics. Some of them are sitting here this morning. Got the skeptics. Mm. You know, you see them teaching in colleges and universities. Then you've got the Epicureans. They were out last night having a party. They don't know what about, but they were just having a party. Because that's the only purpose in life is just to have a good time. Because someday this life's going to be over, so we might as well have a good time here. As a believer, you don't have to live in any one of those. In fact, you shouldn't. Because your happiness is not just in that life is a party, because life's not a beach. <laughs> happiness is found in the Lord. Joy is found in Him and what He's done for us. You see, the church was unique in its proclamation in that joy was at the heart of its faith. If you do not have real, lasting joy, I seriously question your commitment to the Lord. If you can hear of someone trusting Christ and you not be excited, there's something wrong. No one can come to Jesus and be saved 
and leave the same way that they came. See, in our house, we start getting ready for worship on Sunday. We got start getting ready Saturday, sometimes even Friday. Why? Because there's clothes to get ready. There's cooking to be done. There's cleaning that has to take place. Why are we doing all these things? Because we're getting ready to give God our best on Sunday. Our day when we come together to worship Him. So we clear our schedule out. We move everything out of the way because we want to come to the Lord and give Him our best. I'm tired after Sundays. And it's not just because I'm the preacher. It's because I want to give my best to God on Sundays. I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus in prayer with Him. I took my Bible and began to read of the promises of God and be encouraged about who God is and what He's done for me. I took time to pray for you that God would work in your hearts and encourage you this morning because my joy is in the Lord and yours can be and should be too. I don't come to church to spectate. Church is not a spectator sport. I come to participate. I come to give glory to God, to give God my best smile, my biggest hallelujah, to raise my hands and to open my mouth in praise to Him. Rejoice evermore. Why? Because this may be the last time we get to do it on this earth. So when I like what's going on in the world, I'll praise Him. And when I don't like what's going on in the world, I'll still praise Him. I love what James wrote in his epistle when he said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So many times in our lives we spend it all, all of our time trying to make life easier for ourselves. Remove problems, remove difficulties, make things smooth. And every time we do that, we always get disappointed. You know, every time I get my car fixed and everything's right, I, I, had, I had no lights showing up on my dashboard on either of my vehicles. And I was so excited. And then last night, I turned on my van. Check engine light came on. <laughs> See, if you find your joy in not having check engine lights, your joy is going to be lost pretty quick. Some of you are frustrated because you can't ever get your car working right. Listen, work on your car, but rejoice in the Lord. We turn on the TV and say, well, I, I pray for different things to take place, and it doesn't seem to take place. This world is bad. Listen, understand what's going on in the world. Pray about it. Do everything you can as a good citizen to try to point things toward truth and righteousness, but rejoice in the Lord. I think so many Christians need this reminder. 
because we tend to rejoice in everything but the Lord. We rejoice when everything's going my way, when I, my bank account looks good, when my health is good, when I'm not tired and I got a full night's rest. If you know what that's like, let me know because it's been a long time. But our joy is not in the Lord and that's why we struggle. Because our joy is in things that fail and fall apart. Sometimes your joy is found in other people. Parent, can I encourage you with this? And don't take this the wrong way. But if you say things like, my children are my whole world, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. If you look at your significant other, your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, and say, they're everything to me. You're setting yourself up for discouragement. You say, why? You just, you're one of those skeptics, aren't you? No, but you must find your joy in the Lord. People will disappoint you. In fact, you will disappoint you. Paul was disappointed in himself in Romans chapter 7, right? When he said, the things, the good that I would do, I don't do. So the answer isn't looking to others. The answer isn't looking within. The answer is Look to the Lord. Rejoice evermore. And that leads us to verse 17. Because he carries on with the very same theme. We are to rejoice all the time. So too are we to pray without ceasing. See, there should be praise in giving thanks in every situation. There should be prayer in giving thanks in every situation. Pray continually. Praise continually. Prayer is not to be limited to prescribed hours. Well, I pray every Sunday. I pray every day. But rather, it should be a common and constant element in our daily lives. Pray without ceasing. You say, well, what does that mean? You're just supposed to walk around muttering under your breath all the time? And you go, what's wrong with that guy? He's crazy talking to himself. No, that's not what it's talking about. Can I explain it this way? Here's what it means. To pray without ceasing is the picture of a person with an intermittent cough. You know what it's like when you just have that tickle in the back of your throat. It's always there. It could come out at any time. If you need it, it's right there. All of you who had that this morning, you probably stayed home because it could have been COVID. You don't know. You aren't praising all day in the sense of every word that you speak sounds like praise. But when God lets something come your way, a praise just jumps out. You're ready to say hallelujah. You're ready to praise the Lord for what He's done. Thank you, Jesus. If you're a person who praises and prays continually, you're one of those people that says, Well, don't come to my work and start talking to me about the goodness of God because I'm going to get fired from my job. (laughs) Don't come over and call me on the phone and start telling me about the goodness of the Lord when I'm cooking supper because I'm liable to burn the beans, right? Because I'll lose focus because I get so excited about praising the Lord. And that should be us, right? That 
Everything we do, we're just ready to praise the Lord. We're ready to pray at any time. Just like that tickle there in the back of your throat. Lord, praise the Lord. Lord, help me. Likewise, just like prayer and praise ought to be without ceasing, almost like an intermittent cough in the back of your throat, there are some things I want to warn you about this morning. There are some things that can be spiritual cough suppressants. Pride will suppress your praise and prayer. I don't know how many times. And, I, and people tell me I'm still young and I think, wow, this must only get worse. But I, I meet people and they tell me, all this stuff that's going on in their life. And I'll say, well, have you prayed about it? Are you talking to the Lord about it? No. Why? Because they're proud. They're proud. They, they can't praise the Lord. They're too proud. They can't pray. They're too proud. I can give you another one. Hatred will suppress your prayer and praise. It's hard to pray for somebody if you hate them. But can I encourage you when you feel that hatred welling up in your heart? Because it's a natural thing we all struggle with. To begin to take it to the Lord in prayer. The judgmental spirit. It's hard to praise God when you're busy judging somebody else. I don't even know how they made it to church this morning. Clearly they don't have their act together. Well, stop looking at them and look to the Lord. A judgmental spirit will keep you from praising the Lord. It will keep you from praying as God wants you to pray. Envy. If you come to church looking at everybody else, boy, if I had what they had. My life would be a lot better. Envy. Envy will suppress your cough of praise or prayer. Lust. Really, anything that takes our eyes off the Lord. Whether it puts it on others or ourselves. God wants to get a praise out of you, but He has to get some other things out of you first. He's got to get that sin and deal with the struggle in your life. Give it to Him so you can begin to praise Him as you ought. Your praise is being perfected because of what God has done in and is doing through you. You will have more to praise God for. You will have more to pray to God about the more you learn to trust in Him and walk with Him. So when God allows you to go through difficult times and hard circumstances and painful things, God's not doing that to push you away from Himself. He's doing that to refine you, to make you better able to praise Him in everything. Your storms help to perfect your praise. The mess that God got you out of and kept you from getting into is reason for you to give praise to Him. So I think the longer you live with the Lord, the more you ought to have to praise Him for. And yet, unfortunately, sometimes it's, we look at the new believers as the ones who have the praises and the ones who have been saved a long time seem to lose that. That's not the way it should be. I remember several years ago as I was working as a youth pastor and, and working with a group of teenagers and we took them on a winter retreat, had 30 or 40 teens there and, and we took time 
for them to ask questions of us as their leaders. And as I listened to the answers from the various adult leaders there, I heard answers from those who had been saved just a year or two and their answers of God's goodness and God's plan and God's work in their life, their answers were fresh, their answers were new, their answers were real. And the answers of some of those Christians who had been working with the teenagers for 10, 20, 25 years were, well, back when I was 15 years old, this is what happened. And I thought, well, it's good to know what God did when you were 15, but what about when you're 50? What about when you're 55? What about when you're 60? Does God stop working? I don't think He does. God's always at work. The question is whether our eyes are on Him or on ourselves. You aren't praising and praying because everything in your life is a bed of roses. You're praising Him because of who He is and what He's done. If it's real, praise and prayer should happen in the car. Keep your eyes open but it could happen in the car. If it's real, it'll happen at the restaurant. If it's real, it'll even happen in the house when you're sitting by yourself. And if you're struggling to find something to praise Him for, just walk into your bedroom and open up the closet and look at all those clothes hanging there and say, wow, God, you're so good to me to give me all those things. I may not have everything I want, but I have everything that I need. Remember when you didn't have a car? Said, oh, I just need a car. And God provided. God is so good to provide. David told me how they had some money given for some new chairs. And he was so excited. Friday afternoon, we just finished cleaning up here and getting things straightened up and ready for today. Micah stayed and was helping. And I said, Micah, why don't you go check the mail? So he went out to our fancy mailbox on the tree. Somebody said, why do you have a mailbox on the tree? It was on the tree when we got here, so I just left it on the tree. (coughs) The mailman still puts the mail in, so it, it works. Micah comes in, he hands me the mail, I start going through it. There were two cards from people that aren't part of our church, not members here, don't go here. Friends of the ministry, though, that love what God's doing here. In those two cards, there were $8,000 in that mailbox on the tree. Now, don't go rob that mailbox on the tree. Because it wasn't made out to me, it was made out to Arise Baptist Church. Because it's not mine, and it's not going to go in my pocket. It's for God to use for His glory. And it was such a blessing even thinking of all the service that was going on yesterday and all the ministry that's going to go on this week to people and all the things that are going to be done for the glory of God and thinking, thank you, God, for entrusting us with just a little bit more so that we can pass it on for your glory. God's good. And you know that money will come and that money will go because it's the Lord's money. We don't need to hang on to it. We'll put it back in His work. Remember when you didn't have a church family that loved you? Remember when you wanted something and you prayed and God provided it? 
Anybody here have a praise? I know I do. Don't let anybody suppress your hallelujahs for the Lord. He says, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. And finally, in verse 18, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Thankfulness is the opposite of complaining. I could complain, but I won't. I used to complain about that, but I won't complain about it anymore. I feel like I need to complain. You ever had some? I have people call me, so I just need to complain to you for a little while. Okay, let me know when you're done. <laughs> I had a guy do that to me one time when I was working, and uh, he'd call and just complain to me about all the stuff that our boss did and how he didn't like it at work. And, and he would talk for so long, I could literally take the phone and set it down, and I could hear him like echoing off the table there because he talked so loud in the phone. And I'd wait until, until it kind of died down that I'd pick it up and go, uh-huh, and then put it back down and keep working because he just needed to complain to somebody. And I didn't need to listen to that because God had given me a job to do. I had a boss that I reported to, and he wanted to see me making money for the company, not complaining about all the things that were outside of my control. This is from a, a secular book, but... I find it very similar to scriptural principle. When it talks about in our life, we ought to, we, we, we have two circles is how the book illustrated it. Our circle of influence and our circle of concern. And for many, their circle of influence is quite small. Right? The things that you actually have some measure of influence over are relatively small. But for also for many, their circle of concern is rather large. The things that they're worried about. Things that they're concerned about. And this particular business writer said that one of the ways to better manage your time and the ways to happiness and the ways to fulfillment in life is to keep your circle of concern within your circle of influence. Don't be focused and concerned about things that are outside of your circle of control or influence. Now, as a Christian, I see that even a little bit differently because God has told us to seek Him first, to focus on Him. And if we'll seek Him first, then all these things will be added unto us. So rather than having even a somewhat large circle of concern, our circle of concern ought to be focused on the Lord and on the Lord alone. And if we're focused on Him, He has all the influence because He's in control. But thanksgiving, thankfulness, is a choice. When I take the blessings that God has given me and I put them on the scale on the other side of my complaints, the blessings always outweigh the reasons that I have to complain. Maybe it isn't that way for you. I don't know. It's pretty quiet. Somebody should help me preach this, right? That, that our blessings outweigh our reasons to complain. And if you think something different, it's because you've forgotten what Jesus Christ did for you when He forgave you of all your sin, when He saved you and He's given you eternal life and He's put you on the path to walking with Christ and being a child of the King. I like the song. I sang it a few weeks ago. I'm a child of the King. With Jesus my Savior, I'm a child of the King.
He's my father, and Jesus is my very best friend. My blessings far outweigh my reasons to complain. You know, in the Old Testament, the Israelites had more reason to be thankful than any other people in the Bible. And yet, the Israelites were not known for their thankfulness. They were known rather for their complaining, murmuring and complaining. Think about this. These Israelites, not the ones that were second, third generation in the promised land, those that were led out of Egypt. They saw the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. God took them to the edge of the Red Sea. And Moses held out his staff and God parted the Red Sea. God cared about his people so much, he wouldn't even let their feet get muddy. The Bible says God sent a strong wind and He dried the ground and they walked through on dry ground. We go camping with our kids and we go up around the pond. My kids get muddy and they don't even get in the pond. They walk through on dry ground because God cared about them so much. And God cared so much that when the Egyptian army followed them into the Red Sea, by the time the Egyptian army got in about halfway, God allowed the walls to crash down and the water came and they drowned. He defeated, at the time, the most mighty army in the whole world like that. And then the Israelites get out. Miriam picks up a tambourine. She begins to sing and praise the Lord for all that He's done. Uh, the God of Jehovah, the one who wins great battles and great wars. And the people rejoice and they get into the wilderness. And now they start complaining. Well, there's nothing to eat. And so God, in His kindness, He rains down bread from heaven, manna. People go out to pick it up, and pretty soon, though, some say, well, we need some meat. It's probably some of this crowd here this morning. <laughs> I'm not satisfied with manna. I need some meat. And so God sent some quail. You know, quail would be a delicacy in many places. God gave them so much meat to eat, the Bible says it came out their nostrils. But then as they had their bread and they had their meat, it wasn't long. They said, well, we need something to wash this down with. So God told Moses to speak to the rock, first to strike the rock, then to speak to the rock. And Moses did that and sweet water came out of the rock. You know, the Bible tells us their sandals didn't wear out. For 40 years? Well, I wish that would happen in my family. <laughs> we buy shoes all the time. Now, some of it's for growing feet problems, too. So I wonder about that. If the sandals didn't wear out, what happened to those children's sandals? Did they grow with their feet? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Their sandals didn't wear out. Their clothing didn't wear out. If anyone shouldn't have been complaining, it should have been the Israelites. But let's not be too hard on the Israelites this morning because there are some Israelites here. But they're called Americans. If anybody should be praising the Lord for all that we have, it ought to be us. But are we known for our thanksgiving or are we known for complaining? 
You see, God has provided and He's blessed and He's given so much. If you're complaining this morning, it's because you've forgotten God and what He's done. You've allowed the things of this world to seem much more real than the God who made this world. You see, God is able to make a way where there is no way. He's even done some good things for you that you didn't even think to ask Him for, and He did it anyway. I'm going to shout over His blessings and His goodness to me. I need somebody that can help me testify that God is a good God, a merciful God, and a faithful God. He is worthy to be praised. You ought to have the attitude, if you don't praise Him, then I'll praise Him even by myself. Even if I'm the only one in my row, I'm the only one in my section, I, even if I was the only one here, I'm going to praise Him this morning because I praise the Lord for all that He's done. I don't know when trouble's going to come. I don't know when sorrow's going to take place. But I'd always be ready to praise the Lord. The Lord's been there when no one else was there. In the dark of the night, in the midst of your storm, He's there. He's there. Has the Lord been keeping you? If the Lord has made a way for you, it'd be a good time today to catch up on your praise and thanksgiving for all that He's done. Lord, you brought me from a long way. You gave me clothes, you gave me friends, you gave me family, you gave me salvation, you gave me Jesus. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He's a rock in a weary land. He's a shelter in the time of storm. He died, but bright and early, Sunday morning, He got up. He rose again. Give thanks in every situation. Give thanks in everything. So I can't give thanks for everything, but you can give thanks in everything, in the midst of everything. When you're surrounded by everything, give thanks. You can praise Him even in the middle of your problems. You may say, God, you haven't made a way yet. But I believe you can. I'm still knocking. I know you will do what needs to be done. God may not come when you want Him to. But if I rejoice evermore, if I pray without ceasing, if I give thanks in everything, I know that He is going to do what He said He will do. He's always faithful. What has God done for you? Well, He's my Savior. He's my stronghold. He's my refuge. He's my strength. He's a very present help in time of trouble. James read it at the beginning of the service, Psalm 121. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, who, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer my foot to be moved. He, will, he that keepeth thee will not slumber. I'm reminded of Elijah as he 
was there on the top of Mount Carmel and the priests and prophets of Baal were crying out to him and he said, maybe he's sleeping. We serve the God that never slumbers nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Or Psalm 91, which says, He that dwelleth in the secret place, the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my strength, my God. In Him will I trust. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So when we find ourselves not rejoicing, we need to take a step back and consider, why not? When we don't seem to want to pray, say, Lord, help me to pray. When we find ourselves not wanting to give thanks as we look around, just living, complaining all the time, it's because we've forgotten who God is and what He's done. Let's rejoice in Him today. I, I'm so just encouraged to see God at work. I know many of you have been through some very difficult times, and there's probably more hard times to come for all of us. What I'm preaching to you today is not how to get out of your hard situation. It's how to be able to live in and through your situation by keeping your eyes on the one who's in charge of your situation. God often doesn't just reach down and pluck us out of the problem. I'm thankful that He took me out of the miry clay and He set my feet upon a rock and He established my going. He saved you, brought you out of sin. Set you free. But you may still be in some other kind of struggle in this life. The Thessalonians knew all about this. They were afflicted. They were persecuted. They were thrown in prison. Some even lost their lives for their willingness to follow the Lord. I doubt that they always felt good or maybe even had a good attitude all the time. They were real people too, living in a very real time that was very difficult. But the exhortation to them is the same exhortation that we need this morning. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And let's say verse 18 together one more time as we close. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, thank you for all that you've done. We praise you. We thank you for your work in our lives. Lord, thank you for even bringing us here together this morning.
as I think about the circumstances and situations over the last few weeks and months, more and more I realize that all this stuff, all this mess that's going on around us, you are still in complete charge of it all. And you're using it, Lord, to bring people to yourself. Lord, you've allowed some of the hardships to wake some people up out of the spiritual slumber that they've been in. And I pray that you would continue to do that. Lord, we've learned in our own lives, and I think we can learn from looking around us, that often when things are good is not when people choose to follow God. It's when things are hard that people realize that they don't have all the answers. And Lord, you allow hard things not because you're a mean God, but because you love us too much to allow us to go on in our sin and our wickedness towards hell. And you sent Jesus Christ to die in our place so that we could have eternal life. If there's someone here today, Lord, that doesn't know you, I pray that they would trust in you today. And Lord, there may be some here today that have trusted you as their Savior, but they're struggling, they're discouraged, they're complaining. Help them to realize they have so much to praise you for, to thank you for, and they can be in prayer about it all the time. Help us as a church, Lord, as we look towards these coming days. We don't know what all is going to take place, but we trust in you. Our hope is in you. We can rejoice in the Lord always. Help us to encourage those who are weak, those who are sick, those who are struggling. Help us to point each other towards our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's in His name that we pray.